This is a WKYT podcast. Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. A little bit later we'll be hearing about the 2020 census count and its importance to Kentucky and to your community. There are also some job opportunities with the Census Bureau and that's coming up shortly. But first a member of Kentucky Senate leadership is here to talk about the state budget and other issues facing lawmakers. Senator Julie Rocky Adams is a Republican from Louisville who was in the state house before that and who started her venture into politics as a member of the Louisville Metro Council. She has long been a staunch supporter of a statewide indoor smoking ban, which she says could improve health and business in the state. The Senate caucus chair also revealed this week that she is obsessed with podcasts and the audio of Kentucky Newsmakers is available as a podcast, so we hope she'll sign up for that and others as well. We want to welcome Senator Julie Rocky Adams. Appreciate you uh, coming in and uh, driving in from Louisville to be yes. here with us. Well, Appreciate it, I, I listen to the podcast oh, good. on my way in. <laughs> Very so. good. There is nothing more important in this session uh, to get done than a state budget, which mm -hmm. is required by uh, the Constitution. Uh, the governor uh, revealed his proposal last week. Mm -hmm. The House is looking over those numbers. Ultimately, that will come to the Senate. Uh, do you think that uh, generally uh, lawmakers will agree with the governor's priorities? Well, I think that um, the governor did have some some good things in there. He had some responsibilities that he had to fill. We had an increased uh, participation rate for our Medicaid um, ex expansion, um, so he had to plug that hole. Um, he had several promises that he made when he was out on the campaign trail that he had to fulfill in the budget. And then, quite honestly, the biggest um, obligation that we had to fulfill was the pension. Um, actuarial required contribution and he did that. It didn't leave much left over um, but I do believe as we move forward you'll see the House put their stamp on their version, we'll receive it, the Senate will probably put their stamp on what our priorities are um, and then something will <laughs> appear that uh, hopefully is good for the taxpayers of Kentucky. Then there's a conference and you, you try yes. to work all of this out and then it goes back to the governor. Right. He has line item veto. Mm -hmm. So it's important to get that to the governor's desk in time that you could then reconsider any vetoes. You that, are right? absolutely correct. That is really um, one of our top priorities is to make sure that the governor receives the budget in enough time um, so that we can get it back and, like I said, make sure that our priorities are um, are within that document. Senator, the governor said, and many in both parties have said, that Kentucky in some way needs more revenue mm -hmm. uh, to, to, to keep uh, things going. Tennessee's budget, we learned this week, apparently it's going to be about twice what Kentucky's is yep. in terms of the, the available uh, revenue, and uh, that means they're putting investments into uh, education, higher education, mental health uh, programs, and so forth. Does Kentucky need to find more money? We have to. It has to be part of this conversation. Um, in the governor's proposed budget, he increases taxing on vaping and increases taxes on cigarettes. He also increases taxes on limited liability corporations. Um, he doubles that, um, that line. 
And we're also looking at things like expanded gaming and um, sports betting. I guess that would be a better way to say it. And um, but we have to have revenue conversations. We um, we spent a lot of time the last budget cycle trying to lower the rate and broaden the base. We were trying to go more to a consumption-based um, taxing system for Kentucky rather than a productivity um, taxing system. And um, I think we're going to have those conversations again. Where can we get some revenue um, in order to help fund some priorities? Do you think a sports betting is likely to pass the Senate? I am very optimistic. I'll be honest. I think it's a, a solid bill that the House has put together. Um, from everything I understand, the House has the votes. Um, and so the Senate is anticipating receiving that bill. And, um, you know, there's some components. I mentioned this to the, um, to the courier. There's some components of the bill that I think are bringing new interest, uh, particularly with the line item to specifically fund for um, gambling addiction. So some of the revenue that we receive from sports gaming will go into funding that for people who need that help. Do you find, Senator, that it is easier to pass a, a, a tax or an increase or to find revenue, as uh, the terminology is often used, uh, when there is a specific purpose known for where that money is going to go? Absolutely. And plus, this is, um, this is one of those instances where sports gaming is something that you can either choose to participate in or not choose to participate in. So it's a discretionary form of revenue generation. The uh, governor has also said that he wants casino gambling mm -hmm. uh, in Kentucky. Uh, he did not make any revenue from that part of this spending plan right. because uh, he said he knew it was declared dead on arrival by Senate leadership. Right. Uh, what is the main objection uh, from senators uh, in that regard? I think that the objection is it's it's such an expansion with all the different games that are allowable. It um, for some people they believe that that's not the right direction for Kentucky to go. They they believe it preys upon those that are weak. Um, sports gaming is different because it is becoming a very um, it's becoming an entertainment venue in all of our surrounding states and um, it's a game of skill rather than a game of chance and I think that that is another differentiating factor and um, and so I think it's an option an entertainment option that we should provide for our citizens so if they so choose to participate uh, how would you describe the working relationship so far on this budget and maybe some other matters to come uh, among <laughs> all sides, so the, the House, the Senate, and this new Democratic governor? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, I get that question a lot. Are you working with the governor? How's it working with the governor? And I I've said a hundred times, I think the new governor is drinking out of a fire hose. So he has some things that he's trying to pull together a team. Um, he's trying to pull together a budget. So he's a busy guy. So, um, I think his interaction so far with the legislature has been a little limited, and rightly so. Um, as you know, with the Republican House, the dynamic has really changed in the last two years, and um, those relationships have been wonderful, and um, a lot of our priorities are similar. So I'm anticipating a really smooth budget process, and, um, and the lines of communication have always been open, so that's really good for, I think, moving forward on some good policy. When it comes to transportation, it's kind of a different 
mm -hmm. budget. It's kind of laid out all differently, and uh, it, we have a couple of things going on. One, there's Senate Bill 4 uh, that mm -hmm. would uh, require that a, a, a group be put together to ultimately mm -hmm. choose the transportation uh, leadership and, uh, and perhaps set some of the priorities uh, for that cabinet. Uh, that the governor has pushed back against because, uh, of course, it has been tradition that the governor appoint right. a transportation secretary, and he has right. the former Lexington <laughs> mayor, Jim Gray. Yeah. Now, uh, all of that said, this is going on at a time when uh, many say we need more uh, attention to our roads, our highways, mm -hmm. our infrastructure. Uh, some of it is crumbling, a lot of it is aging and obsolete. Uh, where will the legislature go on transportation? You know, it, it, that is such an important topic because the dollars that are in that um, budget are tremendous. And I, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican governor or a Democrat governor, when you receive those dollars, they're weaponized to a certain extent. They're used, they can be used for political purposes and we've seen it. Like I said, it, 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 there's no party involved, it just is how our, those dollars have been used. So what we're trying to do through Senate Bill 4 is remove that politicism from the dollars. We are the appropriators. We should be able to say, here's where that money is going, and we should rest assured that they're going to be spent in the way that we have instructed them to be spent. Um, and I think what, what this does, I think it's kind of a good government bill. It, um, it takes the politics out. It allows us to remain as appropriators and the decision makers of taxpayer dollars, and um, I think you're, we're going to see a, um, a lot of people get on board with that concept. The gasoline tax is tied to the price of gasoline, mm -hmm. and here we are uh, sitting in Lexington today with gasoline uh, under $2 a gallon right. uh, at this point. Uh, does Kentucky need to look at that gasoline tax in some way? Yes, I think that we do. It is particularly, you know, I'm from Louisville, and that is a huge issue because roads and congestion and traffic and air quality are huge issues in my district. And um, I have a lot of people who are very interested. They don't have a problem with raising the gas tax to, in order to take care of our crumbling infrastructure. And um, so I think that's a conversation we have to have. I do believe, though, if, um, if there's any movement on the legislative side of things, we're going to have to have assurances from the administration that they, too, support that. I think it's going to be we all hold hands and do this together. Um, and I believe those conversations are ongoing. Senator Julie Rocky Adams is with us, and we're going to come back in just a moment. She's a member of Senate leadership, the Republicans who control uh, by a large majority of the state Senate. Back with more questions in a moment. We welcome you back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. In just a little bit, we'll learn about the uh, census account here in Kentucky, which will be coming up soon. But we continue our visit right now with Senator Julie Rocky Adams, who is from Louisville, a Republican, and uh, who's been there for a time. It was interesting how you got into politics. You ran for the Louisville Metro Council because you wanted a stop sign and nobody would listen. Nobody right? would listen to me, and I wanted my stop sign. The cars were going too fast in front of my house, and uh, it turned out okay. <laughs> Now here we are. All right, so cities now, the Kentucky League of Cities has, uh, you know, a, an agenda. They've been before the legislature and pushing some of that. They want some more flexibility in lots of ways. They're asking for 
uh, larger cities to be able to have mm -hmm. a restaurant tax. In some cases, maybe a sales tax. They say their streams of revenue are very limited. Mm -hmm. uh, are you having a discussion uh, about that? Yes, um, you know, Louisville in particular went through an exercise um, because of their increased pension contribution obligation. They were really cash strapped for operational dollars in Louisville's budget. And so they went through this exercise and they realized that they had no flexibility. They closed pools and libraries. Absolutely. And, yeah. They had to make some significant kind of quality of life cuts. Um, and so we have been, since that um, dynamic has happened, across Kentucky we've been having conversations they've happened particularly with uh, representative Michael Meredith he has a constitutional amendment that he has submitted to allow that flexibility uh, for municipalities to be able to find new ways to tax themselves. You have long pressed for a statewide workplace indoor smoking ban. Several mm -hmm. governors in the past have indicated they would sign it if it ever gets to their desk. Right. Uh, polls have shown 70 plus percent of Kentuckians support that but it never gets through the legislature. <laughs> it does, and I'll keep trying because I tell people it's not just a health issue, it is an economic issue. I mean, we, the more that we can do to provide a healthy, ready workforce for employers, I think that we'll reap rewards that we are unknown at this point. Um, and, you know, quite honestly, we talk about this in terms of health. We've done a good job trying to curb smoking in Kentucky through an increase in the tax. Um, but I think it's going to be more than just increasing taxes. We are going to have to take this initiative where you cannot smoke in, inside anymore. And, um, and I know at the state capitol, we've even moved um, smoking so that everyone's not congregated by the door because you come in and out. Um, and so we've moved it off a little ways. And, and I think employees really in, uh, appreciate that. Senator, this vaping issue uh, seems to have come out of nowhere and proliferated mm -hmm. very quickly, uh, in especially among young people. Uh, what do you want to see done in terms of state action on that? Well, I think that we've taken a very good first step. Um, Senator Alvarado has passed a bill out of the Senate um, kind of mirroring the federal standards for uh, Tobacco 21 and we've eliminated some of the um, some of the penalties um, associated with that so that we don't strap these young kids with um, with misdemeanors and that's a great first step and I'll tell you we were so close I think to having a generation that wasn't addicted to nicotine. And because of vaping, we now are seeing an entire generation of young kids, again, addicted to nicotine. The Foundation for Healthy Kentucky says that uh, nine out of 10 Kentuckians favor legalizing medical marijuana, and about six out of 10 want uh, marijuana legalized for any purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, where is the Republican caucus on that in the Senate? Yeah, and I think that what, what we're anticipating is um, receiving a medical marijuana bill that will pass out of the House with, I, I'm hearing, any 60 plus votes. Um, so I think it'll be a very popular initiative. Um, and Senator West has introduced a medical marijuana bill on our side that I believe has nine co-sponsors already. So I really think that this is kind of a, an organic, grassroots kind of groundswell um, around this issue. And so I think that you're going to see some movement on it. We'll watch. Uh, some expressed surprise that the top priority in the state Senate, uh, Senate Bill 1 this year, it prohibits sanctuary cities 
when Kentucky doesn't have any. Uh, why, in your view, does the uh, state need that piece of legislation? You know, I, I kind of view that as a law enforcement cooperation act. It, I, I think it gives law enforcement the um, kind of the impetus to make sure that we do um, coordinate with federal officials and and it's okay to do that um, and it, it was sometimes we do measures before uh, they become problems and I think this is one of those instances but I, I think that law enforcement wanted it um, it's been very popular um, across the state and um, so we just wanted to send the message that it's okay for law enforcement to cooperate with federal officials. Senator, thanks for coming today. Thank we appreciate you. it very much. All yeah. right. And I know you're off to Frankfurt. Ask me back again. <laughs> we'll do it. Because, uh, <laughs> uh, we appreciate uh, your, your forthcoming answers. Thank you. And we hope you'll stay with us on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers and we will talk about the census count here in Kentucky, which will begin very shortly. We're back in a moment. Welcome back and we're glad you're here on Kentucky Newsmakers. Right now, census workers across the country are getting ready to get an accurate population count. Something that takes a lot of work, a lot of people on the ground, making sure that everyone gets counted. Danny Rogers is here to talk about what is coming up for Kentuckians and why this is so important. And we thank you very much for coming in. Thank you for inviting me. You know, first of all, I think a lot of people don't realize that the census is rooted in the Constitution. This Absolutely. goes way back. I mean, it says there will be a count. Will be a count every 10 years. We count everybody living in the United States. Yes. And so, tell us about uh, this uh, right now. The count that is getting ready to get underway, and why it is so uh, important that people uh, uh, take part. There are a number of different reasons. So, this 2020 census, for the very first time, we're going to have it online. So, there are going to be three ways that people can self-respond, meaning that people don't have to come knocking at their doors. So, you have online, by phone, and by mail. And the first, well, the midweek of um, March, March 12th that week, is gonna be the first of five different mailings that people are gonna to get to their house to say, hey, here's your passcode. Go ahead and go online, fill it out. Four minutes, you're finished. Um, after that, you'll have a few more mailings saying, hey, just a reminder, you can go online by phone or by mail. And from mid-March through the end of April, you can do that before somebody comes knocking around on your door starting in May. Um, it's important also because over $675 billion worth of federal funding is given out every single year based off of the population numbers. So whatever numbers we capture in 2020 are going to be the numbers that we use for the next 10 years. So budgeting, all of that's extremely important that we have an accurate count. If you have kids and you want to make sure that they have lunches, for example, if we only have a particular count but 300 extra kids show up the first day of school, the budget is already set for the next 10 years, so we have to scramble to try to find a way to feed them. So it really matters down to the community level. Down to the community level, absolutely. As uh, people uh, look at this, and they, they, they get that mailing and they think about it, there may be some who say, well, you know, this is invasive, uh, this is <laughs> a lot of information to be mm -hmm. giving out. How can you reassure them that, uh, you know, that that is uh, uh, something that, uh, number one, they're required to do, and that, uh, secondly, that it will be used appropriately? Well, the first thing is there are only nine questions. So we're only asking name, address, phone number if you leave something blank, but things that you, you have more information on social media than the things that we're asking here. And we really don't want all that detailed information because we're stripping it of all that personal information and it's only gonna be statistics by the, by the time it leaves our department. Um, but also, it's protected under Title 13 
It's completely confidential, so none of the information we collect can be used by any law enforcement agency. That means uh, Homeland Security, ICE, local police, your landlord. Nobody's going to find out this information. Um, it's protected also in private for 72 years. That was implemented back in 1978, so for 72 years, nobody's going to see your address and the things that people see when they usually go online and look up genealogy information. And the most important, and I say this all the time, I'm too cute for prison. And everybody who has taken a lifelong oath with the Census Bureau is, is sworn to protect this information under the penalty of five years in prison and $250,000, and we're not going to do that. How many people does it take, uh, really a, a, a team, to get out there and, and help uh, ensure that this is a, a proper count? We need hundreds and hundreds of people to do this information um, locally, just in Kentucky alone, but nationwide. We're trying to get as many people as possible, and our, our goal is to have as many people from a lot of the neighborhoods that maybe have a lower response score uh, as possible to be the ones helping us get that information because it's going to be a lot easier for you to open your door for your neighbor than it is for us to bring in somebody from another state knocking on the door who doesn't really know anything about that area. Are there volunteer and paid positions or how will this work? The paid positions um, here in Fayette County it is $19 an hour, 58 cents a mile reimbursement, full-time, part-time, flexible hours, and you get paid weekly. These are great things. I've asked if I could do it. They told me no. <laughs> but <clears throat> volunteer-wise, we have ways that you can step up and, and still be a part of it. You can help to, if you speak different languages that maybe aren't represented by the ones that we have information in, you can translate some of the, these documents into languages so that other people in the community know that it's coming and understand what, it, what it's about. Um, if you have space where we can do testing, where we can do informational sessions, you can volunteer that space. There are plenty of different ways. And um, if people go to 2020census.gov slash partners, there's a whole host of different ways that people can volunteer. How can people be sure that someone representing themselves as uh, um, uh, representing the Census Bureau uh, is legitimate? We're going to, the people who are going to be going around door to door, we have a badge. We have a bag that says U.S. Census Bureau. We'll have a piece of paper that has all of our information on there. You can even go online and type in our name and see if we actually work for the Census Bureau. All of that information is there. We're happy to sit there while you go and check it out. While we're standing there, that's fine. But we, we promise you that we are not there to get anything other than these nine questions answered and, and we'll be finished. Oh, what is the hardest part, do you think, or what is going to be the biggest challenge about to reaching everyone? Because there are a lot of different hard-to-count communities, so hard-to-count communities can be uh, communities of color, non-English-speaking communities, rural communities, seniors, veterans, people who either have um, less access to certain information or maybe don't have internet access or things like that. Um, the most difficult part is to, one, reassure people that it's safe, that it's easy, and that it's that important, and that it matters on that community level, that it's not just something that, oh, the government wants to come in and, and get my information for their own use. No, it comes down to you. If you don't like potholes in your area, well, that census information helps to make sure that those potholes are filled. Do people have a choice about where to be counted if they spend part of the year one place and part the other, uh, say in a different state, or let's say uh, college or university students? Okay, so those, I'll do, do yep. that in two ways. So the first way, if you have your mansion in Florida and your mansion here in Kentucky, let's say, and you spend your time equally between both, or you're a child that splits their time between parents, wherever you are April 1st, 2020, be counted there. 
we want you to be counted wherever you are the majority of the time. So like six months and a day out of the year, where are you? And so if that comes down to it and this is just cut completely down the middle, wherever you are April 1st, 2020. If you're a college student, we want to make sure that parents, if the, college, if the student is away at college, don't count them at home. It's not like taxes. It's not whoever's in my, in my family. It's wherever they are. You want the resources to go where the student is. So if they're on campus, we have an operations team that will go on campus and work with the housing uh, the administrators there and get that count. But if they live off campus, but still attend college away, they will be receiving something in the mail. So they know how to be counted that way. Anything else that people need to know about the 2020 census count? Just that it's easy, it's safe, and it's important. And we are hiring, and we want you to go to 2020census.gov jobs. $19 an hour here in Fayette County. It varies around the state of Kentucky, but nothing less than 14. Full-time, part-time, flexible, and weekly pay and 58 cents a mile reimbursement. All right, and a chance to be part of history. Absolutely. Right. Danny, thank you so much. Thank we you appreciate for having it. me. And uh, President Trump's impeachment trial is now over. He's been acquitted by the Senate this week. He also gave his State of the Union address to an increasingly divided nation. It has been a wild week in politics and watching it all from the front lines, our national political analyst, Greta Van Susteren. Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren, and here is your full court fast break. The impeachment trial is over. On Wednesday, President Trump was acquitted. He won't be ousted, but Democrats say they are not finished investigating. The House Intelligence Committee may still subpoena former National Security Advisor John Bolton about the Ukraine controversy. A separate House committee is looking into President Trump's banking lenders, and a third committee is fighting to get his tax returns. And what about the State of the Union address? The president gave one of his most anticipated speeches in the very chamber that impeached him. Bad blood boiled over. By now, you've seen the jaw-dropping moments. As for the issues, President Trump touted economic victories like historic trade deals and low unemployment numbers. But he also raised lesser-known subjects. He urged Congress to pass the Education Freedom Scholarships and Opportunity Act. This controversial bill would let some parents avoid struggling public schools and choose which schools their kids go to. Mid-speech, the president announced a scholarship to a fourth-grade special guest sitting in the First Lady's viewing box. He also backed the Advancing Support for Working Families Act. This bipartisan bill would give parents an advance on child tax credits, allowing them to pay for extended leave after births or adoptions. Want more full-court press? Tune in Sunday. We will have the latest news out of New Hampshire ahead of the primary. And as always, we will bring politics home covering the national stories that impact you. And Greta's Full Court Press will run at 11.30 this morning on WKYT. Be sure to tune in. And we'll see you bright and early this week on WKYT this morning. We start early at 4.30, so we're up when you're up. We certainly hope you make it a good week ahead. That's Kentucky Newsmakers. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.